You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. A few weeks ago, we started a series called Steady Faith, and we are looking at different gifts that the Lord has given us, truths that the Lord has given us, blessings that he has given us that'll steady our faith during difficult times. Two weeks ago, we looked at this incredible truth. It is actually Jesus who is holding on to us, not us holding on to Jesus, but Christ holding us, and this steadies our faith. Uh, Last week, Drew powerfully reminded us that we are simply fragile jars of clay, but we hold within us the treasure of the glory of God, and this steadies our faith. This morning, I want us to talk about the sovereignty of God, actually the detailed sovereignty of God, and how this also steadies our faith during difficult times. We're gonna need our best theology on our worst days. Charles Spurgeon talked a lot about the sovereignty of God. One of the things that he said is there is no attribute of God more comforting to his children than the doctrine of divine sovereignty. Spurgeon also said the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the child of God rests his head at night, giving perfect peace. So this morning, let's talk about this divine, detailed sovereignty of God and how believing and knowing that God is sovereign over all things, this steadies our faith during anxious times. You're probably familiar with the story of of Gideon. Israel had been oppressed by the Midianites for seven years, and so God calls up a rescuer in Gideon. God calls up a deliverer in Gideon. And Gideon amasses the Israelite army, about 32,000 strong, and they're gonna go up against the Midianites, an army of 135,000 people. They're camped across the valley from one another, and God comes to Gideon and says, so that you will not boast in your numbers or you will not boast in this victory, we need to reduce that number of 32,000. And so Gideon stands up before the Israelites and says to them, who is afraid and who wants to return home? And 22,000 men raised their hands. So that army of 32,000 is now reduced down to 10,000 men. But there's still one more obstacle. There's still one more barrier. There's still one more test. And so God asked Gideon to have those men, those 10,000 men, go down to the springs of Harad. And those who took their mouths, their, their lips to their palm, brought in the mouth, the water that way, they were selected as the 300 to serve as the men of the Israelite army. 32,000, down to 10,000, down to 300, and God gave them assurance of victory. But Gideon was still anxious. Gideon still wondered, how could this possibly be true. So with your copy of God's word, let's go to the seventh book of the Old Testament and go to the seventh chapter. Let's go to Judges chapter seven together. Let's see again how God in his detailed sovereignty brings a stability of faith in the life of Gideon. Judges chapter seven, let's begin at verse nine together. That same night, The Lord said to him, the Lord said to Gideon, arise and go down against the camp, against the Midianites, for I have given it into your hand. So here God has given Gideon the promise of victory, that this will be a victory for the Israelites. It'll be a victory for for Gideon. This is not the first time that God has given Gideon this promise. If you'll just kind of glance back up to chapter, chapter seven, verse two, 
Look at this. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. So God had already given a promise to Gideon and the Israelites that they would win this battle. God repeats that promise one more time in chapter 7, verse 7, where the Lord says to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and I will give the Midianites into your hand. Earlier, back in chapter 6 and verse 16, God gave that promise to Gideon before even these two promises. So three times now, actually four if you want to count the fleece, in chapter 6, verse 38, God had already given the promise to Gideon that they would see victory. But Gideon was still anxious. He still needed some more encouragement from the Lord. Judges chapter 7, verse 10 God says, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, and I want you to go down and, and Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So here's what, what God is telling Gideon. I know that you're anxious. I know that you feel overwhelmed. I know that you're afraid. I know that this is an unsettling thing. You feel outnumbered. You feel exposed. You feel like the odds are against you, and they were, 450 to 1. But God is saying, let me lift you up even in the middle of this difficult moment, this stressful time, this fearful time in your life, Gideon. Highland family and friends, I want you to, to understand this. Never underestimate God's ability to lift you up when you are discouraged. Never underestimate God's desire and his ability to encourage you when you're discouraged, to lift you up in the middle of difficult times. God cares about all the things in your life. He cares about your life. He cares about your decisions. He cares about even the smallest details of your life. So if you've ever been discouraged before, or if you're discouraged today, or you think there might be a small possibility that you will face discouragement in the days ahead, that I want you to see this morning that we have a God who is filled with unlimited encouragement through Christ Jesus to share with you over and over again that his promises to you are always yes and amen. Judges chapter seven, verse 12 and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east, they lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. This is the first time in, in biblical war history that we see that camels are used in warfare. That has nothing to do with the sermon whatsoever, but just a little piece of trivia for you to hold on to. The first time that camels are used in warfare in the Bible, and then when Gideon came, so remember Gideon and his servant are headed down to the camp, they're at the Midianites. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay Flats. Why barley? Well, what an interesting use of imagery that this Midianite who was having a dream, he had a dream, he woke up and was beginning to share this dream. And he said, in this dream, this, this roll of, of barley bread or this, this cake of barley bread came rolling down into the camp of the Midianites. Why barley instead of wheat? Well, barley was the poor man's bread. Barley was the bread that belonged to the common man, not, not the more expensive wheat. 
And so a reminder that the, the one who's about to come in and destroy the, the, the Midianite camp, he's just, he's a common person. Even raised perhaps in, in poverty, came from a poor background. Just a common man, this, this Gideon. Verse 14, and his comrade answered, he was interpreting this dream and he said, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all of the camp. And as soon as Gideon heard the telling of this dream and its interpretation, he worshiped and returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Let me show you a couple of pictures that are gonna be on your screen. The, the first picture is one that I took at the base of Mount Gilboa, standing right by the springs of Harad. I'm looking across the, the valley of Jezreel and the mountain that you see in the background there is Mount Moray. It was at the base of that mountain where the Midianites were camped. And so you have the Israelites where I am standing. Other side of the valley of Jezreel, you have where the Midianites were camped there at the base of Mount Moray. This is a picture to, for you to kind of visualize the, the battlefield and, and the distance between the two. The next picture you see is actually the springs of Harad. It is still an active spring today. The, the, the word Harad in Hebrew is the word for terror. And that was probably a very appropriate word for Gideon and his 300 men as they were terrified looking across the Jezreel Valley and seeing the 135,000 Midianites camped on the other side. That spring is still active. 3,100 years later, after this battle, you still see a picture today of the springs of Harad. The next picture you see is actually me putting water into the palm of my hand and, and cupping it up to my face. I wanted to be selected as one of those 300. I did not want to be sent home. I, I send those pictures to you. I want you to see those pictures to remind you that this was a very real place, a real battlefield with, with real people, a, a real springs of Harad. There really was and still is a Mount Moray and still is a Mount Gaboa and still is a Valley of Jezreel. And there was real fear and real uncertainty, even in the lives of God's people. So I want us to see together this morning is I want us to see the detailed sovereignty of God. And we're gonna see it even in this small little picture of Gideon and his servant Pura as they go into the Midianite camp. I want you to see some things this morning that remind us even today, something that will stabilize our faith, that God is a God of details, a God of detailed sovereignty. Here's the first thing. I want you to see the hand of God in the direction over the life of Gideon and his servant Pura. There were thousands and thousands of tents they could have chosen. But instead, in the sovereignty of God, under the detailed sovereignty of God, they went to this one particular tent. How many were there? Look at verse 12 again. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east, they lay along the valley like locusts in abundance and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore, even in abundance. We find out later on in Judges chapter eight, there's about 135,000 of them. Military tents in the Old Testament um, supposedly weren't that large. Maybe three or four, maybe even five soldiers would, would live inside of a military tent in the Old Testament times. Uh, let's go ahead and dial that number up a little bit and say that there were 15 soldiers per tent. That would still be with 135,000, that'd be 9,000 tents. How would it be that Gideon would go to the right tent to hear what he needed to hear? 
only but the detailed sovereignty of God giving him direction, going to the exact precise tense. Here's the second thing we see in the detailed sovereignty of God. We see the protection. We see God's sovereignty protecting Gideon, protecting his servant Purah. We see this in chapter seven, verse 11, the middle of verse 11. Then he, speaking of Gideon, went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men. Now, any basic military strategist will tell you that you put your strongest, bravest, most alert men at the outpost. It is these soldiers who are looking for any movement, any pushing against the camp. And so here is God's detailed, not only direction, but detailed protection. He brings Gideon to the most fortified place in the camp, there at that outpost, where again, the the bravest, smartest, most valiant warriors of the Midianites would be stationed, guarding the camp looking for any movement. And God, under his detailed, divine, sovereign protection, moves Gideon and his servants right past that outpost. I want you to see there is a direction of God under the detailed sovereignty of God. There is a protection of God under the detailed sovereignty of God. Third thing I want you to see as we see together this morning in this short little story, the detailed sovereignty of God, we see the right timing. At the exact moment when Gideon comes onto that one tent that God has sovereignly directed him to, look if you would at chapter 7 verse 13, just the first few words there, when Gideon came, behold. Uh, the Hebrew word is the word hene, and it means look at this. Uh, make sure that you, you see what is happening. When Gideon came, behold. At the right time, right when Gideon came up to that tent, so the exact precise moment under the sovereignty, the detailed sovereignty of God, Gideon walks up to this tent of thousands of tents, the right tent, just as this man was sharing his dream. Not a minute too soon, not a minute too late. This is God's precise sovereign timing. God has always been an on-time God. Then look at the other piece of this sovereign puzzle that the Lord is putting together. It was the right people. Gideon was led under the sovereign hand, not only the right timing, but to the right people. And there are two important people that God sovereignly placed within earshot of Gideon. The first one was, was the dreamer. In verse 13, when Gideon came, look at this, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, uh, that cake of barley bread, just a common bread, tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. So God, in his sovereignty, brought Gideon to the right person to share the dream. But the second person who was sovereignly placed by God was the interpreter. And look at the interpretation of this dream by this Midianite soldier Verse 14, and his comrade answered, here's the interpretation, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all of the camp. Can you imagine Gideon's face and Purah's face as they listened outside this tent? Can you imagine their jaws dropping? I mean, this is Gideon. 
His name in Hebrew means to, to chop down. More than likely, his family were, were woodsmen. So here's this blue-collar lumberjack, and God in his sovereignty has brought him through the outpost at the exact right tent at the exact right time to hear the exact right person give a dream and give an interpretation. Certainly, Gideon was encouraged in the Lord. This, this interpreter even knew the name of Gideon's dad, Joash. So right timing, right people under the divine, detailed sovereignty of God. And here's the last thing I want you to see. It was the right word. It was just what Gideon needed. God had already sovereignly promised Gideon that this would happen. So do not forget this portion of the story. Go back in chapter seven, look at verse nine with me again. Look at the sovereignty of God already telling Gideon what is going to happen in this camp. That same night, the Lord said to Gideon, arise and go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands or even your heart shall be strengthened. Your faith will be steadied to go down against the camp. It was just the word that Gideon needed and God had sovereignly promised this would happen. And then because God is sovereign, it did happen. You gotta hear this one more time, verse 14. And when his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given him into his, his hand Midian and all the camp. And as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream, how about this for a right word, and its interpretation, Gideon worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. This was the right word that Gideon needed. Look at the detailed sovereignty of God in this small little portion of the story that we so often skip over. God's direction to the right tent, God's protection past the outpost, the exact right timing to come into that tent or come to that tent, the right people, the dreamer, the interpreter for God to sovereignly place them there. And it was the right word for Gideon. Look, God does the same thing in our lives today. Christ followers, God in his detailed sovereignty, he is directing your life. He is, he is protecting you. And I can't give you a commitment today that you will not go through a season of, of cancer. I, I can't promise you that you will not get COVID-19. I can't make any commitment to you at all that there will, there will not be a, a car wreck at some point in, in, in your life or some point in the life of someone that you love. I cannot commit to you that you'll never deal with heart disease, but I can promise you this, you will always be spiritually protected by God. Zero harm spiritually can come to a daughter or a son of God. God, not even death itself. We have a sovereign God who is directing our lives. He is directing your life. He is protecting your life. He is bringing the right timing in your life with the right people in your life and giving you the right word that you need because he is an almighty, all-sufficient, superior, supreme, no one like him, sovereign God. And what does this do? This knowledge, this deeply held belief, this, this steadying of our faith, what does this do when we realize that our God is a sovereign God? Even in the details of life, what does this produce in us? Well, the detailed sovereignty of God 
produces in God's people worship and confidence. This is what it produced in the life of, of Gideon. Look again at verse 15. As soon as, so immediately after the right word, the right place, the right timing, as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream, the telling of the interpretation, he fell down low. This is what it means in Hebrew to worship. He bowed down low and he returned to the camp of Israel and look at this confidence, look at this courage and said, arise, wake up, get up for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hands. Host is a great word there. Your Bible might render that word in Hebrew as, as camp, but the word is as makane. And makane means a, a massive number. It means a number you cannot count. It means armies multiplied by armies, multiplied by companies, multiplied by, by companies. This is why the Lord of hosts, the Adonai of Machaneh, he is the host of all of, of the angel armies. And when, when Gideon comes back, he is saying, there is a massive number of people, 135,000 plus, there's just 300 of us, but God has promised that we will take on these armies, that we will have victory over this massive number, the companies of the Midianites. God will deliver them into our hands. So let me say this again. The detailed sovereignty of God should produce in you worship and understanding that he is God and there is no one like him, but it should also produce in you. If he is sovereign over all things, it should produce in you confidence and courage to live life this week. All right, let's finish out this story Let's look at the battle plan, but let me just warn you, it's not a plan of victory unless the sovereign God is on your side. It's not a winning strategy unless the sovereign God is for you, unless God himself in his sovereignty is fighting the battle for you. Let's pick it up in, in verse 16 where we left off. And he, Gideon, divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men who were with him they came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, which means it was midnight, right when the guards were, were changing, when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and they smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars and they held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And then they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried out and they fled. And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the Midianite army, they fled as far as Beth Shittah towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel, Meholah, and Tabith. And, and the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all Manasseh. And they chased after, they pursued after the Midianites. What did God's people use in the battle? Consider this with me. God's people used light. They used proclamation. They used music and their obedience. 
Let me say this again. God's people used light, verse 16 and verse 20. They used proclamation, verse 18 and verse 20. They used music, verse 18, verse 19, and obedience, verse 19, verse 20, verse 22. What is amazing about those four weapons of warfare is that they are still, 3,000 years later, the weapons of warfare for those who are in Christ. Light. Jesus is the light of the world. God's word is a light for us. We are to shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of truth. Proclamation that we are to proclaim our faith in Christ. That our testimony produces a, a, a victor inside of us, a victory inside of us as, as overcomers. Music. From the Old Testament and Psalms that we are to sing aloud to the God of our rescue, to the God of our salvation, to, to Paul and Silas in, in prison, singing their worship to the Lord. And then obedience, that we obey the word of the Lord, that we obey by his grace all that he has directed us and commanded us to do. These are still the weapons of our warfare today, the weapons of our spiritual warfare today. You see, you don't just win a battle by going 300 against 135,000 just by blowing a jazz instrument and holding up some light in your hand. Who secured this victory for the people of God? I'm glad you asked. Would you look at verse 22, the very beginning? And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord, the Lord set every man's sword against Comrade, where does the victory come from? The victory comes from the Lord. So let me finish my statement. God's people use lights and proclamation and music and obedience, but the victory belonged to the sovereign Lord. So for everyone who is listening today who is in Christ Jesus, you're a follower of Christ. You have put your faith and your trust in Christ. You have put your life into the life of Jesus. Hear me clearly. You're in a spiritual battle this week. But you're not battling against or wrestling against flesh and blood. Instead, you're in a spiritual battle. And we will use even this week light and proclamation and music and, and obedience. But ultimately, the victory belongs to the one who has secured the victory for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And in the battle that you will face this week, here's a blessing that will steady your faith. God is a God of detailed sovereignty, directing you, protecting you, right timing, right people, right word. And he has promised for those who are in Christ, thanks be to God, who has given us the victory through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All who are in Christ, God is for you. Can we pray for you this morning? Can we encourage you this morning? If you'd like to pray with someone, even right now through a live text, we encourage you to text that number 512-843-2028.
If there's something that you're wrestling with or something that you're struggling with in life or you want someone just to, to give you a good word, a right word at the right time, I'd encourage you to, to text in and let some of our prayer leaders in our church pray with you, give you God's word, uh, encourage you with God's victory that's been promised to you. Or you can email us at any point this week, this afternoon or this week at praycelebrate at hbcwaco.org. And we commit to pray with you and pray for you. We'll even get in contact with you this week and let you know that we're doing so. Would you bow your head and bow your heart with me, please? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the victory that has been secured for us through Christ Jesus. God, we believe that you're a sovereign God. There is nothing limited about you. There's nothing vulnerable about you. You're a God who resides in heaven and you do as you please. And we thank you, God, that in that sovereignty, you are for us. You watch over us, you love us, you care for us, you know our names. You have promised us the victory through Christ Jesus. And in your detailed sovereignty, it will steady our faith this week, believing that you're directing us and protecting us, taking us at the right place, at the right time, to the right people, to hear the right word from you. We praise you, God, for the victory that you have given us in Christ. We praise you today, oh God, that you are almighty. There is no one like you, all sufficient. Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai, God. And you are so perfect in your detailed sovereignty over us. It's in the name of the Son, the one in whom we have found life and joy and peace. We pray and we believe in the name of Jesus. Amen.